From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Bill George. One of these things is not like the other. Hey, welcome in, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden Gun, Vince Noble. Good morning. And what the hell, Tom Free? Oh, he got turned in. He does, he's got, doesn't have the power. And now, Tom Free. How's this? Yeah. Get, get that mic over where we can see and get over here. He's hiding over there in the I'm dark in the corner. corner. I remember corner. my first day in radio. Yeah, well, he's over in the Bill. Jo- <laughs> he's over in the Bill George corner for the most part. He's hiding way over there. Is that the timeout seat? Huh? Is that the timeout seat? Uh, no, that's the sinking seat. He usually has the chair that keeps uh, sinking down, and by the uh, keep about, getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, by by uh, thirty minutes on the show, he'll be down here like uh, in kindergartner uh, stuff. He'll be down here. The chair will be up here. His eyes will be barely over the top of the uh, console, and and we'll be like, "Where'd Bill? Oh, there he is." Uh, but uh, yeah, Jonathan's up in Bluntstown. Um, Bill decided to go kill alligators today, so uh, he figured it'd be a good day to be out on the water. So he's gonna hopefully uh, call us in a little bit later on, let us know, give us a little update on how things are going with uh, hook and line out there. And uh, also joining us this morning, our newest producer, Flash, Flash, Slick. What are we? We're gonna try to. Are we gonna stick with Slick? Is that we where we're are going? Sticking with Slick. That's who I am. That's okay, who okay. I've been. That's where I stay. You know, sometimes when you move around in the radio biz, you know, you kind of change up your uh, your persona a little bit. You know, <laughs> you know, you kind of yeah, go. But why? Why not stick with what's already golden? Well, yeah, I thought maybe you'd like to want to go with Flash. Nah. Why? Are you sure. I, is it because I'm quick? Or you could be like Brett. Uh, yeah. Why are you trying to change the man's name? Let, Brent, him, let him be. He's, he's trying to turn me into Brent Hadley. I mean, That's all it is. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm not pimping out my wife. Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> yeah, those were good days back then. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so Slick is also our, our newest producer. He'll be the first guy you talk to when you call in on the show today at 888 404 It's 888-404-1010. Of course, we all know that today is <clears throat> 9-11. It's not a good day for a lot of folks. It's not a good day for. Um, well, you know what? I have to. I have to reverse myself on that. It is a good day for uh, for Americans because we're still here. And I will say that there are a lot of people who are not here. Uh, that of course, because of the events that happened on nine eleven, uh, we instantaneously lost almost three thousand people in the blink of an eye. And then, of course, years of other illnesses, you know, thanks to the asbestos and things and stuff at Ground Zero. Uh, a lot of firefighters, paramedics, police officers, nurses, uh, all these people volunteered. You know, they succumbed to uh, other illnesses. So no, it didn't just kill, you know, 3,000 people. It, you know, they estimated it could be as high as 50,000 people um, uh, that have illnesses related to 9-11 that they passed away from. So. Uh, it's a tough day for a lot of people. Uh, it's a day of uh, I don't know what what you're talking about for a lot of other people. Uh, I met a young lady yesterday, and uh, I said uh, somebody mentioned something about tomorrow being nine uh, eleven, and she was like, she's like, oh yeah, I learned about that in school. And I said, well, how old are you? And she's like, I'm twenty. 
Oh my lord! And I was. Now the other other what? Uh, this mic's not on. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't know how. The, yeah, well, my mic keeps cutting off. I, I know. I know you don't want to hear him what I have to say. <laughs> no, it's the other one we're trying to keep. You're special. Off. You have two mics. <laughs> yeah, two you mics. got two I'm mics. Special. But yeah, you know, I I, I have friends from uh, the Safety Harbor Fire Department where I was blessed enough to serve uh, that went up and, and worked the pile. And uh, even even the short time that they were up there, a couple of them have uh, lung related issues. Yeah. From breathing in that that stuff that was in the air we uh vince and i we met uh quite a few uh people when we would do uh the radio reject show and <clears throat> we would always go out to bike night on um at a quicker stake and we'd be there broadcasting and uh, of course all these uh, veterans groups and firefighter groups all stuff would all come in there for bike night and we met a ton of guys who yeah. were moved down here from new york guys, yeah. yeah that retired had lung problems or you know uh had spots or whatever it was, and then they retired, moved down here, of course, and uh, we met a lot of a lot of New Yorkers from uh, <laughs> back on there. I mean, true New Yorkers. Well, yeah, I'm going to take this second right now. Guys like Tom Free, thank you. Thank you for what you did, man. I mean, you, you didn't go, but you were here. Yeah. But we need more, you know, of that. You know, you see a firefighter, a first responder, even a police officer, you know, just, just walk up and say thank you. That's that, an easy thing to do. All, all you got to do. Thank you. Yeah. It makes your day, makes you feel good. You know, it makes the officer or the firefighter feel good. Sure. They're not. I mean, people are always so scared to go talk to a police officer. Why? I don't yeah. know. And Just because they got a gun. And, and those those guys need nowadays need all the the support, yeah. all the support and uh, good things for uh, f- good thoughts because of what they go through. I mean, I, c- I can't imagine being a police officer nowadays. Oh, me either. No. Those guys just just to just to get the the guts up to to go to work every day because. Talk about somebody who truly doesn't know if they're coming home at the end of their shift. Same with the FWC guys, too. I mean, yeah, people I mean, worry about them. I do crazy stuff, but uh, it, it blew me away talking to this young lady yesterday, 20 years old, and how little she actually knew about anything. You know, she's like, yeah, just what they taught us in, in, in class. And I said, uh, what did they teach you in class? You know, just out of curiosity, you know. And uh, she was like, well, they just told us that we were attacked and it was um, – you know, people that we eventually went to war with, and this—it was kind of like a, like a glossed-over version of of nine eleven, and it was, it was just—I I didn't know whether I was mad or I was just like flabbergasted. You know, as she was telling me this stuff, I was like, you know, it's just so weird to think that there are generations of young people out there who didn't see what we saw and didn't, you know, feel what we felt, and you know, right. was, and I know everybody has their. John F. Kennedy moment, and I guess that was one of ours. You know, everybody could tell you where they were, what they were doing, all that stuff when yes, Kennedy was S- lacking. Sitting in, sitting in the drive-thru at Bank of America when the report of the first uh, plane hit in the tower came in. Where were you guys? I was home. Actually, I was homesick. I just got back um, from Boynton Beach. My, my uncle passed away, so we went over to Boynton Beach, came back. I ended up catching a cold. I'm laying on the couch, and I, I want to say – I. I think didn't you call me? I might have. I don't know. I called a million people. Turned the TV on. I was like, "Oh my god!" And I just that was it for the rest of the day. That's why I was. But my thing is, my aunt was NYPD. Her husband was Port Authority. Oh my god! You know, and then I got family all around. My other aunt worked next to the building next to the towers, so I'm freaking out. I'm like, "Oh my god, man! All my family is right." Mm. Yeah, you got So it was a long day for us, and it was hard to get a hold of anybody. I couldn't get a hold of anybody. Yeah. I was uh, I was on the radio. I was on the morning show on uh, QYK. 
uh, me and Skip and Rita and Lester, we were sitting there and uh, I remember Rita came in, she was the news director and she came in, she said, hey guys, uh, I got a report here, it just came down the wire that a, a plane had hit the uh, World Trade Center. So try to flip it and we flip it around, it was only on one channel at the time that was showing a helicopter shot and there was another helicopter hovering around the top of it and we were sitting there going, oh man. First, I'm thinking, what drunken fool, you know, ran yeah, into uh, the yeah, giant you're glass you're thinking, building? You're thinking a Cessna or yeah. some small yeah, thing yeah, like somebody that. Because yeah. you remember yeah. back in the day, there was a, a, a plane that hit the uh, Empire State Building, you know, back yep. in the you know 40s or mm -hmm. 50s or whatever it was. Uh, and one of the Army bombers. You yeah, know, it was yep. a big it was a big plane. So mm -hmm. uh, I was thinking, wow, man. And then Skip said, no, nah, man, that's that's closed airspace. You can't fly. The only thing that can fly in and out of there is helicopters, unless you're going out of that one airport over by the port. I don't know what the name of it is. Yeah, you know, JFK, like, LaGuardia. LaGuardia. Uh, maybe it is LaGuardia. It's the one by the water. But um, So we flip it over. We get it on one channel. We're watch, sitting there watching it, and we're kind of describing it on the air. You know, hey, we just got a report in, Rita. What's the latest? And she told us. And as we were sitting there watching it, the second plane came in, and wham, I mean, hit it, and we just went... I think I was the first person to speak. I just went, well, that was on purpose. That was not an accident, yeah. you know? And everybody was like, and, you know, Lester couldn't see because the TVs were behind him. So he like whips around. He's like, what in the world is going on up there? And then, you know, it was fire and everything else. And of course, then all the speculation happened and all that kind of stuff. But we ended up staying there. I was, uh, I did a, I was there for like 13, 13 hours or so. At the radio station because all the other shows that came in all just stayed. You know, Hank Dale came in afterwards at 10 o'clock and he stayed in the studio. And then Dave and Randy came in afterwards and they stayed in the studio. And I stayed till about halfway through their uh, their shift that we I decided to go home. And I jumped on my motorcycle. The weirdest thing for me was that's when the radio station was at the end of West uh, Cypress down there. Go back up. Make this corner, you know, I'm on my ZX-12, I think, back then, and I'm screaming around the corner, as I always do, you know, and I get up on the interstate, and I'm looking over my shoulder for cars, you know, and I look over, there's no cars. And I get on, and I, I merge over, and I look, and Nothing. literally, I, there was maybe three cars on the Howard Franklin Bridge. Mm -hmm. And there were no planes going over. That was the one of the craziest things because I lived on the approach to St. <clears throat> yes. Pete Clearwater Airport. And as they sh started shutting down airspace and getting all the planes out of the air, to not to go outside and not hear and not an hear airplane. It. It's between an ambient Ma sound. Yeah, between McDill, uh, yeah. Camp International, St. Pete Clearwater, we always have planes over uh, us. I'll, and yeah, where and I to, am. And I'm to not hear that noise, it was that was to me one of the, the, the oddest things about the, it was so surreal I not hearing an airplane. Yeah, I walked outside i'm like you because i'm not far from where you used to live in st pete and i'm standing out there clear blue you know cold beautiful sky and like i said it's an ambient sound that we just take for granted you hear those your brain hears those planes we don't hear them anymore you know they're just there they're background noise but then all of a sudden when they're not there you're kind of like you start looking around you're like dude what is <laughs> what is up with that what is where why is it so quiet no cars couldn't hear any cars on 4th Street or 9th Street. There was no one out on the streets at all. It was just like the weirdest, eeriest day in America. It really was. I think, and that was, I think it was that way across the United States. I really do. The worst part of that day, besides what happened, is when I finally got a hold of my aunt, one of my aunts that lived 
you know, close to where that was, there is a, uh, they had a convenience store down the street. And I could hear her outside, and people are yelling and screaming. Certain people were out in the streets dancing and, and celebrating. And I, I could hear that over the phone. I, I just, I started crying. I was mad. I'm like, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I, I, the, all the feelings, every emotion is like you want to strangle somebody. Mm-hmm. But more came out. I'm like, I, I, I was like, I love you. I got to go. Well, you know, I think we we're all in a, we were all in a state of shock. Um, Slick, how old were you when you when it hit? You were a youngster then. I was you were, ten. I was yeah. in fifth grade. I can remember the wow. day. Wow. So, yeah. did they wheel the TV into your classroom so you could the, see it? My fifth grade teacher, uh, my fifth grade teacher, former Air Force vet, Mr. Smith. I uh, actually went to the principal's office that day and got into the wor- in, in an argument that became like well known in the administration building uh, because he was like, "I demand that you let the students see this." And the principal, uh, Principal Gan, uh, said, "No, we will not let them see this. This is not." He's like, "This is history in the making." So I didn't get to see it. I didn't know anything happened until I got home that night. What school was this at? Uh, Country Oaks Elementary in LaBelle, Florida. Really? Yeah. Wow, good for that teacher. You think the him. country boys out there would have been wanting to see that? <laughs> well, the the, the principal mean, is probably a liberal guy from the city, so. Now, <laughs> I I like he. I don't know what it was, but like I said, he last time I talked to the fifth grade teacher because I was at, at one time I wanted to be a teacher, and I'm glad I got out of that goddamn profession. Um, <laughs> oof. And we were ta- we talked about that for like a good like twenty minutes. It was a whole twenty minute conversation of how history changed that day. And we couldn't. We nobody in the school got to witness it. Dude, that sucks. Yeah, so that's, that's like this, when, when the uh, first space shuttle blew up. Oh, yeah. I was standing on my back porch out here, right behind nope. the dog track. Uh-huh. I, I saw was, that. I was at I was at Clearwater High yeah. dra- drama class, and we pulled the TV out, and plugged it in, so we watched the the whole Challenger. I was, was in my history class yeah. at Madeira Beach, Mad Beach Middle, and the teacher's Mr. Mr. Ripto. God, it's amazing how we can remember that. Oh, right? yeah. No, it's it's those little deals. I, the only thing yeah. I know, I, I wasn't there for the for the when the space shuttle blew up. But my uncle, the funny story about him is he he was known for skipping class, <laughs> and like when it happened, he went back to the class he was supposed to be in. And uh, Miss Roberti, she was my science teacher as well. He uh, he's like, yeah, the the space shuttle blew up, and she's like, I don't believe. He's like, no, you got to turn on the TV right now. The space shuttle just blew up, and sure enough, when she turned it on, it yeah. she, it took her a little bit to convince him. So. Yeah, we were we were at lunch. We saw the it's smoke crazy. trail going up, and all of a sudden, it sort of split and went in two directions. And and we, saw the yeah, and we knew something something had happened, so we ran into the the, the drama room and and pulled out a TV and and started watching. It was crazy, but I <clears throat> I will say that <clears throat> the day of nine eleven, this day, I think that everybody walked around uh, kind of numb and not really knowing what was happening next and all that kind of good stuff. I don't think that 9/11 affected me more on the day that it happened than the than the next, the next year. Skip and I went up and broadcast live from literally the one hotel right over from Ground Zero, and they were all getting ready, lined up, and we were broadcasting from the hotel room, and uh, because there was no place to set up by nine by by there, you know, all you had was just construction and stuff and people Cranes and bodies and everywhere, and they were just still cleaning up and everything else, and we were there. And as we were sitting there talking about it, um, you could hear out on the streets in New York, the windows wouldn't open open. They would only crack open, you know, so you could get a little <laughs> bit, I guess, for, I don't know. Sa- but, safety reasons. Yeah, safety reasons. <laughs> but all the guys with all the uh, bagpipes were warming up. Oh. oh. And How was, did you get through that broadcast? Oh, I don't think we did. I, mean, I think we were all just like, as soon as the music came through the window, we were just like, 
there's nothing there's now, nothing that, that tears you up like the sound of those bagpipes. And so I think I think we took a break, and then uh, later on we went down uh, after the after the broadcast and everything else. We went down there, and uh, I couldn't do it, but Skip did. He got up there and, and read names, you know. And uh, like, no, I can't do it. And he was like, "Come on, go with me, come do it." And I was like, "Dude, I won't make it through the first one." No. <laughs> It'll be like, Bill. <laughs> I'm done. Yep. Next. But it was a it was a tough day for all of us. We made it through. But let's never forget and uh, pray that it never happens again. And God help those if it does. That's all yeah. I can say. All right, we're gonna take a break. Brought to you by our good friends over at Brandon Ford, uh, Braden Gunn, Vince Noble, Tom Free, and Slick. We're all here for you. If you got a interesting day of 9-11 you're more than welcome to call of course it's 888-404-1010 we'll take a fast one you guys we'll be right back welcome back everybody it's the big and wild outdoors bring gun vince noble tom free and, of course, Slick, we're all in here uh, hanging out with you this morning on this uh, 9-11 morning. It's a crazy day, crazy day in history. It's still a day. Uh, a lot of people still living their lives, getting out there every single day, just like the president told us to do. You know, uh, don't stop living. You know, you got to go do what you got to do. We'll take care of this. And, uh, you know, it's a different administration these days, but we just hope and pray that uh, the attitude is still there somewhere. Uh, you know, if, if anything like this ever happens again, but, um, I wanted to kind of bring this up. We were talking off the air, of course, <clears throat> during the break. Um, you know, this is also the time when you have a lot of conspiracy things that come out about nine 11 and this, that, and the other thing, and wasn't really a plane and, you know, all this other stuff. And I remember, um, the third year that we went up there. We were broadcasting from the uh, NBC NBC building, and uh, we were there using their studios, and we were talking with one of the engineers, and he said, yeah, I was here uh, when that happened, and during the break he came in, we were talking, and uh, he said he and one of his um, uh, workers, intern kid that was there, they were up on the roof, and this building is right, this building is right on the river. Okay, you, you can see everything. And he said they were on the roof and they were uh, doing some stuff with the satellite dishes, you know, the relay stuff and everything else like that. And the kid kind of goes, you know, like, hey, John, what is that? And all of a sudden, here's this jet. And it was the second plane. I mean, the first plane. As it came down, they were using the Hudson as a... The runway. As well as uh, <laughs> a ground... Uh, uh, navigation. Navigation. So they knew the where they were going, you know. Up there in the sky, of course, we all look like ants. So, you know, they were using the river as a way to follow up. And they go, okay, there they are. And they banked and came around. He said, dude, they went by us literally at eye level. <laughs> cranking. And he said, as soon as they went past us, that sucker started going up. You could hear the jets. He just, like, floored it and made the bank and then went, bam, right into the building. He said the whole building they were standing on, literally everything shook. And he was, and then they had to run to the other side of the building on the roof to go look and see. And then, of course, they see all the smoke and flames coming out, and they're like, "Holy crud!" Oh my god, I couldn't imagine that. seeing uh, that go down like that. So I always refer back to that when I hear all these people go, "Well, it wasn't really a plane." I got, dude, 
I talked to two guys that literally saw it with their very eyes go right by. He said it was only maybe two, three hundred yards away. I mean, literally at the level of the building. Crazy, crazy. Going by. So um, I'm sure there's a million people with a million and a half stories out there. And um, I during the break, we were talking a little about uh, what you mentioned about some some folks were celebrating. And I said, I think that's when every. 18, 19, and 20-year-old <laughs> went and ran down to their nearest recruiter office and and signed up. And uh, you don't think about that. You don't think about – we think about how many were lost in the tower, how many were lost in the aftermath of the tower, but then how many lives were lost that of young men and women who ran down to their recruiter and went to fight yeah. for, you know – Fight for our country. Fight for our country. Give a little payback, you know, make sure as, as – as Bush said, you know, make them pay for what they did, and um, and we forget those. If you lump all those people in there into one group, now you're talking, you know, tens of thousands and hundreds, maybe even hundreds of thousands. You know people, how we can so. stop all this? Get every redneck, get Copenhagen to sponsor them, and <laughs> Bush Light, and send them on over and let them take care of business. I think that was actually suggested <laughs> in the first year. I think uh, that actually, I remember those memes on. Uh, Social media and stuff where guys were ready to go. But, uh, you, you know, a lot of those young men and women, man, marched off for that because of that very day. And it's crazy to think that um, the, a lot of them didn't come back. So I count them as tragic losses for, for 9-11 as well. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But anyway, go and uh, celebrate. Never forget. And... Uh, Try to live your life as best you can, you know. It's kind of like at the, uh, I, I mean, uh, you want to hear those words, you know, at the end of Saving Private Ryan, tell me I, left, I led a good life. You're right. And, 100%. You know, yeah, and the best part, I mean, what comes out of this, too, is us as Americans, we've stood up, we, we faced diversity, we rebuilt, and we gave them the big finger. Mm-hmm. Kind of, sort of. And, and it went away. And in celebration of life, uh, Vince went out and did the one of the most foolish things that any man could do. <laughs> I'm afraid what? He went out and bought a boat. I bought a boat. What's he that went song? and bought a boat. I bought a boat. <laughs> I bought a boat. And uh, how long had you had your uh, hole in the water before my brother started knocking on your door going, hey. Not even in the water yet, dude. <laughs> it's not even in the water. Bart was over last week. He said, so, bro, uh. Uh, when are we going to take that boat out and do some fishing around uh-huh. the area? All of a sudden, you got like a million friends uh, you didn't now, know you had. Now, let me, let me run. Th- now, he came up to my door. So, just recently, the gun families moved in underneath me. Uh-huh. So, now I got your brother, his wife, and those two adorable children that love that effing piano. Oh, yeah. They got that upright. <laughs> they got an upright piano. Well, hey, it could be worse. They could be drummers. Oh, very true. Or very tr- true. Our, our newly, uh, newly inspired trumpet <laughs> players. No, nah, I mean, no. All joking aside, though, I mean, they're really cool. I mean, I can hear. You know, Where are like, you keeping this beast of a boat? Uh, right now, it's at the shop at work because my buddy next door is actually repainting it for me. Oh, okay. So I'm getting it repainted. I'm having the whole hole done, seafoam green. Well, as long as you don't keep it at your house, no. you have an excuse. See, I do. Tom, on the other hand. Uh, he had his behind his house, so it was good. You can keep him you know, out of sight, out of mind. So the only people that knew he had a boat were, were people, people he let know. Yeah, that he let know. <laughs> so that way he could like go disappear, jump on a jet ski, do whatever, and uh, people didn't know he had a boat till he posted something stupid on Facebook. 
They're like, dude, you got a boat? Yeah, they were like, Tom, when did you get the boat? Well, I am currently, uh, I have half a dock behind my house because Edge Marine is pulling my old dock out, and hopefully by the end of next week, I'll have a new dock and new lifts. Really? Uh, there you go. Nice. So you're going to move the uh, the monster over there, or where do you have yours sitting uh, right the, now? Well, the, the monster, the freestyle is actually uh, gelati uh, up for sale because uh, with my back, I just can't take uh, the pounding offshore anymore. So I'm going to buy a small bay boat for my kids to run around in and, and uh, enjoy. And uh, if I ever need to, to go offshore, i got plenty of friends who are guides that I can, uh, sure. I can hire to do it. Yeah, but, Vince has got a boat. Yep. <laughs> not, an off, not an offshore boat, but I got I got connections for an offshore wow. boat. Yeah, well, I think we all do. If you lived here yeah. long enough, you somebody somebody has one that that'll make it that far. And you so when you got your boats, I'm sure the phone rang too. So, oh, hey, oh yeah, yeah. Fishing, bro. Yep. Well, and that that or when are we going spear fishing? Yeah. <laughs> now, see, I was smart. I I bought a I had a little Wahoo. I had a 16 foot <laughs> Wahoo with a I think it was a 90 uh, Yamaha on the back. That thing used to fly. Should have never sold that boat, uh, you know, but I didn't use it. It was sitting on the side of the house. My brothers were out. They were in the military, and it was just me, and I was like, hey, you know. Well, I, I, I love going offshore fishing, but uh, I come back, and I walk walk around looking like about a 90-year-old for about two days. <laughs> no, I wish it was just two days. I have to go see Dr. Bach, my chiropractor, and he yells at me and for undoing all the fantastic work he's done, and then you know, it takes me another two weeks to get back to normal. That's, you know, you don't, you don't really realize that until you do have a back issue. problem or an issue. Uh, I will say this. What you need to do is you need to hire a, uh, a driver for your boat, and then what you do is you lay in the back in one of those nice big bean bags and well, just relax. That, that, that's what I do on my charters, whether I'm going out with uh, you know my friend John Philipoff at Caledici Charters or Billy Nobles. Uh, you know, I, I, I find my find the bean bag and uh, relax. And the best part about chartering is when you get back to the dock, you don't have to clean it. Yeah, that that is true. <laughs> Yeah, or you can help out if you want to, but, uh, you know. I, I, or, or tip I really I well. Tip, I tip yeah. really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tip really well. That's I always, uh, whenever we would take the Buccaneers out uh, hunting, and uh, they're like, what's this going to cost me? I go, all I'm going to tell you is make sure you tip your, uh, your, uh, your guys that are cleaning your hogs extremely well. Just, just make sure that they're happy because yeah. – They'll work their butts off to make sure that you get every chunk of whatever exactly. it is you want in that cooler. I, I like the boat. It's a cool little boat. I mean, it's a it's a um, Key West, nineteen foot Key West with an eighty Yamaha on the back. That's all you it's need. A, it's a bow rider, so I mean, the kids can come out and hang out in the front. I can still fish on the back, so I mean, it's 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 like kind of a. I don't have kids, but I got like I said, plenty of kids around me. Yeah, it'd be a good family boat, and I can still go do what I want to do on it too. You also obviously need to take a Coast Guard course because you know you're not supposed to be in the front of the Been boat. There, while done that. You're not supposed to have anybody in the front of the boat while you're uh, riding and you're not going. Not when you're riding, and well, they have to have a. You a didn't mention on. that. I got a freaking thing. I got it the other day. <laughs> I did think it's my second time taking it. Yeah. Just because. And that's why you said it on the air. What is that noise? I, you, I was looking. You got a compressor going in there. What are you doing in there, man? You got a hookah. What's I, I have no idea where that that noise is coming from. It sounds like a like a. It's so they've been working on the AC in here, so it's probably the AC kicking in because we had a bad leak. Uh, oh, well, it's that's, not really working because it's hot in here. That's why we're at the second level of HE double hockey sticks in here. I I mean, 
You guys look good. You're glistening in there. I know. It looks, it looks good on us. I'm almost ready to throw out the singles I've there's got no here such, There's no such thing as glistening in my in my world. I, I go straight to swamp butt. Okay, can, you, can you just take the fantasy and just roll with it, bud? Just run with it. Okay, nobody wants to hear about swamp butt. <laughs> so, you, have you, uh, I, I guess when we come back, I want to hear about your maiden voyage. You've taken it out, hasn't you? Not yet. Not yet? Hold, just hold your horses there, Sparky. You had this thing for like uh, almost three weeks. I, I want to paint it first so I can go scuff it up. Does I it take, take that it long to get pink on there with a rattle can? The guy's out of town. Can we take a break? All right, fine. All right, we're going to take a fast break, you guys. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by our good friends over at Brandon Ford. Go see Brooksy and the crew today. Go get your best deal. They may still have some stuff hanging around there from Labor Day. You never know. Make some good deals for you today. It is the Big and Wild. We'll be right back. Uh, the Big and Wild Outdoors, Brayden Gunn, Vince Noble, Tom Free, and Slick hanging out with you on this uh, beautiful Saturday morning. If uh, you're looking to go out and do some stuff and mess around outside, uh, just be prepared. Might be a little rainy this morning. Welcome to Florida. <laughs> yeah, September in Florida. It is that It'll way. Be great out today. I'm counting the days. When is it, when is it cold? I heard the word cold front last week, and... Uh, it was there like was, weather porn. And it was like uh, one day there was like uh, maybe 35 minutes in the morning where it actually felt decent. Like last week you walked, yeah, it was like, oh my God. Wednesday or Thursday? Spring? Yeah, it was like Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember. I was taking the kids to school and I, we walked out. I was like, ah, this feels okay. This is tolerable out here. This is nice. That lasted about 35 well, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> By the time we got to school, it was totally last, changed. Last Sunday, I had the the, the great fortune to be uh, in the Rocky Mountain National Park above Estes, above 14,000 feet, and it was 57 degrees, and I just stood there going, oh, doesn't this feel good? You, you took your what? shirt off, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> <He's> like, yes. <laughs> People <laughs> were staring at me going, what's wrong with that guy? He said, I'm from Florida. Yeah. Well, now, i, I got to ask you because this is the most important part. It doesn't matter what the temperature is. What was the relative humidity when you were up there? There was none. Yeah. It was, it, oh, it was beautiful. That's the thing. It was thing a beautiful thing. That, that sounds like heaven. I, I, You know, I've been a southern kid all my life, never experienced not having wet skin until I, the first time I flew with the Buccaneers and we went to Denver and went to Mile High, the old stadium. Mm-hmm. Of course, I almost died going up two ramps. Because there is literally no oxygen oh, up there at fourteen thousand feet. There, there was no, there yeah. was no. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, we went straight, you know, because we land and we would go to the hotel, change clothes, jump back on the bus, and they would go do a, an early practice, you know, to get kind of acclimated and all that stuff. They'd go back to Mile High, so we were there. We went over to get all the equipment and everything ready to go, and uh, I, I went up two of the regular just ramps that you go up. 
No. Yeah, it's like breathing no. through a straw. No, I was I was literally doubled over, my hands mm. on my knees, leaned over, doing the whole. <sighs> and wow. this and the security lady walks up. And she says, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "You people got to get some air up here. There is like no air up here." And she's like, "Where are you from?" I went, "Florida, sea level." <laughs> and we just landed like three or four hours ago, and we're here. Wow. And and um, anyway. What I enjoyed was just, you know, they're like, ah, oh, it's, it's 97 degrees here at Mile High Stadium. And I was like, 97? Are you kidding me? It feels like 65 out here. Because no there was no humidity. And uh, every little breeze that went across your skin, like, yeah, hear, was nice the, and cool. Hearing all the locals in uh, Fort Collins go, oh, it's, you know, it's so hot, it's 90 degrees. <laughs> and I'm just like, Pfft. Yeah, why don't you come to come come to my backyard and stand outside where it's ninety four degrees and and you know about ninety percent relative humidity. We were when we the first time I took Glenn out to Wyoming, we were there it was one hundred and ten degrees on the prairie, and it felt like eighty six to us. We were in shorts, flip flops, t shirt, and every, all the locals were in long sleeves, cowboy hats, long pants. They were trying to protect themselves from the sun and all this other stuff. And I remember our, our guide Cody, the the kid was like, man, I really want to get down there and hunt Osceola's. I want to get down there bad. It's you know, a dream I'd like to get down there. And I said, well, you better get ready for it. If you're coming down for a spring hunt, just get ready for it. And he's like, why? I said, it's going to be hot. <laughs> it's going to be sticky. It's going to be goes, oh, I know hot. Uh, I mean, I live out here. And I went, no, no, you don't Completely know different hot. I said, go grab all your gear. Put your camos on. Grab your shotgun. Grab your calls and everything. And then go get into a sauna. <laughs> Dump about five gallons of water on those hot rocks. Sit in there, and then tell me how comfortable you are while you're hunting. And I said, because that is spring turkey hunting in Florida. Did he do it? And he's like, really, it's that bad? I was like, yeah, it's that bad. It's not really a fun experience. It's it's. But have you been spring turkey hunting if you're not naked from the waist down? Dude, <laughs> I used to show up. <laughs> I showed up in shorts, flip-flops, and a T-shirt. And I used to use my DK Flatwoods netting because I wanted every bit of breeze in that early morning, man, to, to cut through there and not be sitting there with sweat running down my eyes. When I wore the DK full suit the first time I went down with Ken Mays back I'm in sure the day. I'm sure you're dying. Oh, my gosh, dude. I'm like, I'm wiping my brow. I'm like sweating like a pig. And I'm sitting <laughs> here going, well, this is not fun. This is really not fun. But uh, I did see your video of the uh, moose encounter, which I thought was extremely cool. Yep. Uh, for, I always take my daughter fly fishing for her birthday. And uh, while we were out uh, on the Poudre River, uh, we, we found a moose, one of the local moose. And, you know, you, you think. Uh, I think she found you. Yeah. Yep. She, uh, she, she was giving us the evil eye, but she didn't have calves with her. So you know, we felt pretty good about it. Just got to watch those ears, man. It's like a horse. Those ears how, lay back. How cool is it? I mean, they look, I mean, I've never seen a moose in person. They're huge. They are. Yeah, they look giant on TV. I could not oh, imagine, like, up Yeah. When you're personal. up, yeah. When you're 50 yards away from one that, you know, I've, I've elk hunted and I think elk, elk are big, but moose are just on a whole different level. It's like a horse. It's like a horse with antlers. It's like a semi truck coming. You're talking about what was the new record they shot? Was it like eighty something, eighty eight, eighty seven inches from tip to tip? Think about that. That's just what's on their head. You know, walking around with this palmation that's That's almost three feet wide. You know, the the, uh, window here. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Good lord. Yeah, and 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 then this wide, and uh, it's on an animal that's uh, about as high as that window. Yeah, I'm I'm collecting preference points. That's uh, that's on my bucket list someday is to do a do an archery moose hunt. 
Well, sometimes they look extremely easy, and sometimes they look extremely difficult. Uh, but well, I can it's tell always you easy when it's on looks on TV. But I can tell you this: after watching Alaskan and last Alaskans and Alaskan this and Alaska Alaska, <laughs> I don't want ever to do the hardest part of that entire hunt is getting that sucker out piece by piece. You're not going to no. drag them out. No, they're they're guys. Uh, you watch those guys; they go out there, they shoot a moose. It takes them two days of back and forth, getting uh, just getting the, the meat and everything out of and there. And they're lucky if the coy- or the wolves don't get them. Yeah. How much should I tip tip the gu- the, the the guide for carrying out my moose? A grand. Oh. <laughs> you better give him a grand. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you, uh, I, I would like, have, I'd want somebody like Brock Lesnar or something to go on with me. It's like, hey, Brock, grab them antlers, grab that leg, and drag that sucker out of there. I'll give you a grand. <laughs> it's like whatever. Uh, I remember the video of him walking up with that, uh, that was it a sheep or a muley or something on his back. He was going up that like 45 degree yeah. angle on the hill and he's just going up there. I was like, like that? nothing. Yeah. I was like, that's the dude you want <laughs> on you, your hunt. You go hunting, hey, can you grab those two hogs and drag them out for me, man? That's all good. Uh, yeah. Moose was always on my bucket list until I, uh, I went. <sighs> Ten, it was about 10 years ago, we were at the Big Buck Expo, and there was an outfitter there. And I asked him, I said, so what is a moose hunt going for these days? And he said, if you buy it today. <laughs> Wait for today it. only. Yeah. <laughs> he said, if you buy it right now, if you buy it today, it's going to be around $7,000. How long ago was that? It's about 10 years ago. Holy oh, it's, crap. I'm sure, I'm sure that's doubled or tripled. That's what he said. He said, you got to remember, it gets tougher every single year. So every year it goes up about $1,000. And I said, he said, so if you buy it now and you book it for three years from now or whatever it is that you we get a slot or we get a ticket to go, then uh, you get it at that price. Because if you buy it that year and you try to just you know fly in, get a tag, do all that stuff, you're writing a check right off the bat for a minimum of ten to 12000 Good Lord. Yeah. yeah, seriously, for a moose. That's insane. Yeah, for an animal you'll probably eat on for about two or three years, depending on how good your say, freezer you know. is. Twenty, you know, th- those things. You know, you be- you better have a lot of hungry friends. Well, uh, that's. I mean, okay. Does that include like the cleaning and the processing, or is that a separate bill oh, for the sep- ten that's, grand? That's usually they'll they'll field dress it. Usually, uh, you're, God they'll almighty. field dress it. But then any processing is above and beyond. Yes, it is. And taxidermy, of oh, course. Oh, ouch. So processing what? How much meat are you going to get off a twelve hundred pound animal? You Let's say six, seven hundred bucks, maybe a seven hundred yeah. pounds at the most, Oof. depending on how you pick it. So having that processed, that's that's some dinero right there to get her done. Well, and then and then you got to get the, the the meat still frozen back to Florida. Yeah, and if you want the head mounted on the wall, that's a whole other well, you got right with, there. Well, with the new rules nowadays, it all has to either be picked completely clean or mounted before it comes back into the state. So, uh, with the new rules, so I just bring back the skull and the antlers. Well, it has to be picked clean. You know what I mean? It can't be no hide or no brain, brain matter. No brain or, or spinal cord None. material. Well, you better be get clean. a big old hole and bury that bad boy for a week and let the ants get him. I don't know if they got fire ants up in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> clean them bad boys up. <laughs> Stick it out in the yard for a week or two. It'll be clean. We used to do that when you were able to catch the swordfish. Oh, yeah. We would take the swords and put them in let the ants. Or alligators. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I don't I know used, anything I about to, that. I used to tie deer skulls to the top of my crab trap and drop it off the dock. Do and that, let, too. Let nature do its <laughs> thing. Great idea. I did my first hog head that way put it on a put it in a crab trap put it in the canal and we'd go out there and pull it up about every two days it was like whoa oh yeah that needs to stay in there a while <laughs> and uh let the uh let the little critters do what they gotta do and they clean it up what oh nothing you said hog head i was gonna say that's what i've done 
Oh, you did? Yeah. Did uh, you put it in a crab trap or you put it in a fire ant mound? Fire ant mound. Yeah. Yeah, because we I lived out. Uh, we used to hunt my stepdad's grove all the time, and that's. Where and this we is down in LaBelle? Yeah, uh, down in. You uh, still have property down there? No, he stopped working for that. Aunts grove. and uncles, cousins. My mom. Bra- mom still got property down there? Yeah, but it's not hunting property. What do you mean? Why? Why isn't it hunting property? It's, a, it's, it's any it's property like an to be acre hunting in property. the middle of the town. So, uh, where do you think that's that's it's called a sanctuary? <laughs> well, guys, I guess we're gonna go out. We're gonna urban, go ourselves urban a archer, curd urban archery. <laughs> Yeah, oh. I don't need no cur dog. Just put a feeder over the corner over there, man. No, it's uh, we used to, so it was actually out in Muse, that little like uh, farming. It's a, a community because so, it's got yeah, a yeah. So you have no connections out in Labelle anymore. Quit looking for a free ride, bro. Let him tell the story. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think because I uh, like last last something I went down there. We did duck hunting, but we really weren't supposed to. I know the sheriff. That's really the only way we've gotten. You know, away you could duck hunt oh right gosh. here in, in the bay, right here by the bridge, right? I could duck hunt right outside my house. I have the Muscovy ducks that I hate. That's perfectly legal. <laughs> oh, I yeah. hate those little bastards. Bring them over to my neighborhood because that's my uh, that's my disaster food. I keep that around. Those for things a are so oily and greasy that Who, you can't oh, eat those. That's what the big green egg is for, my friend. No, dude. No, green you egg can't eat, the, you can't eat the Muscovy. No. Oh, happy horse crap! All right. Go get one. Let's go cook it up. I, I can go get you one right now. Let's go. All you got to do is go right down to the, the nearest Chinese show? restaurant right down the street. <laughs> and you're all good. I'm not. Uh, you you couldn't pay me enough to eat those bastards. They're, no, they're I could. Disgusting. I could. They eat good, man. They smell and I've terrible. never heard of anybody eating one. What are you talking about? No. Barbecue Braden's house tomorrow. Muscovy Duck, baby. Man, they eat Cheerios and cereal and marshmallows Blech. and toast and all kinds of good stuff in the hood, man. Everybody's feeding them all kinds of good stuff. Bro, you ain't right. I am. I'm, I'm still working on my squirrel population. <laughs> you can take a break. Is that what you're saying? You want me to take, is that why you're putting fingers in the air? I don't know what he's saying. I cannot hear a word you're saying. You've got 10 seconds. Oh, really? 10, 9. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget our sponsor, Brandon Ford. We'll be back. <laughs> Back everybody. It's a big and wild outdoors. Braden, Vince, and uh, Tom Free and Slick hanging out with you on this uh, September 11th Saturday. Trying to make it a little bit lively for you. Trying to make it a little more humorous. We all know what today is. Uh, we all have to remember in our own ways, but uh, we also have to keep on living and keep doing what we're doing because obviously we're doing a pretty good job at it. So let's just keep going. Uh, during the break, we were kind of. Continuing our conversation about the Muscovies, and I didn't want to go into too much detail, but yes, I have eaten a couple of Muscovies and other domesticated creatures as well that would probably not go over well with, uh, you know, people who own them. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, uh, Blackbird, and this is this is my dad's fault because my father, growing up, being the uh, the Cajun as that he is. Or as he likes to refer to himself, the White Rodney Coon ass. So anyway, um, <laughs> you learn to, that everything is edible as long as it's on a stick and it's over a fire somewhere. So uh, blackbirds, red-winged blackbirds, anything that was migratory, um, starlings. Um, and this is it, when y'all were in Texas. Uh, uh, Sure. Ish. Sure. <laughs> Texas ish. Not to say that none of those creatures died in this very location where this building is now. <laughs> Let's just say that uh, robins, 
blackbirds, uh, uh, crackles, any of those I mean, when you're hungry, it meets me. As long as it was not a seafaring bird, a fish eater, um, everything else is pretty palatable with enough uh, seasoning or garlic. Could you imagine how nasty a pelican must taste? I just don't even, I don't want to know. That could be a form of torture. But he won't eat a a pelican, right? I, but it depends on uh, what day it is, and and, oh. and and hungry, how hungry you actually are. When Survivor first started, when the show Survivor started, we all did what all morning shows did. They're like, hey, you know, if you're stuck, because any member used to be able to bring two items uh, when it first started. People would bring like a toothbrush and a picture of their kid, or. You know, uh, some locket that, that reminded them of their mom and all that stuff. Bring a picture of the money at the end. So when they got <laughs> right. when they got around the room, everybody was thinking like logically. You know, like oh, I'd bring a lighter, or I'd bring it in. And I said, uh, I said I'd bring two things. I'd bring a machete and I'd bring my dog. And right. and Skip said, well, that seems reasonable. He says, why would you bring? <laughs> I said, well, the machete I can do pretty much anything with. I can skin with it. I can make tools with it. I can build a shelter with it. I can do everything I need to do. It's got a sharp edge on it, and that's all you need. Wait for it. And they said, why would you bring the dog? I said, well, number one, you got companionship. So while you're stuck out there, you know, you got somebody to hang out with, go swim with, this buddy with. This is going with. downhill fast. This is before no, they I found would out stop that they there. stay in the hotel at night. <laughs> yeah. Right. I said, uh, you know, you got companionship. You also have uh, the ability to have somebody that can hunt with you and guard you as well while you're sleeping so it can help you with predators. And I said, and if things get really, 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 really lean and bad, you got something to eat. Mm. And everybody goes, Oh, my gosh. That is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And the phones lit up. I mean, <laughs> listeners were calling in. They were all mad. And I said. I'm surprised they weren't down here with pitchforks and torches. They were all so like, I, I cannot believe you would eat Cody. I can't believe it. Because that's when I had Cody. Cooter. Right. And I was like, uh, who was actually more famous on the radio than me. And uh, they were like, oh, my gosh. You, you would never do that. I go. I said, and I killed every argument with this. What do you think he would do if I died? He's not a cat. Dogs are. Oh cats no, no, I, no, cats will. No, yeah. right, as a as a first responder who has has seen uh, what after after you don't feed your your loving companion for two or three days, you are no longer a friend. You nope. are a food source. I'm telling. I said, what do you think he'd do to me if I died on the island? He's going to use me as a food source. He'll be over there for a week and a half gnawing on my thigh bone. Nah, he'd be. He no, would look they for don't, food they don't first. Start, they don't no. start at the. They don't start at the thigh either. Just let me fill yeah. you in. Oh. Dogs, dogs don't. Are they're not fruit <laughs> seeker outers? They're not coyotes. Yeah. yeah, they they start at the they start at the most disgusting part and then work their way in. The easy for, things like fingers, toes, pretty much <laughs> things that stick out. Uh, you know, and nope. um, well. they start right there at the. At the, uh, the well, there exit. you go. This this region. Yeah. No, See, if no, I'd have known that, I'd have brought that up on the air as region. well. <laughs> See, and that's how I ended that. I ended. I said, "What do you think he'd do to me after about four days?" Uh, I mean, it makes sense. Of course, it does. You think he's going to build a rod, go out and do some fishing? You know, stand no. on the beach, going, "I have made fire! I have made fire!" No, he's going to be like, "Dead Braden over there." <laughs> That's what you well, know me doing. You do think about it. You know, that that's what, three or four months of food supply for your dog if, you, right. if you die. And then once he gets into the marrow, that's another three weeks. All I right. pray for the small dog you ever get in your older life. Hour number two is right around the corner. I wouldn't own a small dog. Are you crazy? There's not enough meat on it. <laughs> 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 We're brought to you by Brandon Ford. Hour two is right around the corner. Stay there. We'll be right back. <laughs>